I'm just curled up in the bunny hug, keeping to myself. <laughs> it's summer. I don't get it. I don't care. No, 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 no. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to I Don't Get It. Uh, we are a podcast about performing arts in Edmonton. My name is Fonda. Paul is away this week because he is busy with improvaganza, which we will talk about in a little bit uh, at length Um shortly. So yes, um, I'm also uh, happy to say we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. And this week I have drummed up a very special guest who has not been on the program before. Uh, her name is Andrea Anderson and she's going to talk with us about um, her very first contemporary dance performance. Uh, Brian Webb Dance Company presented The Liminal this week at the, t at the uh, Trivo Theatre in Allard Hall. And um, first we're also going to, we're going to talk about what we saw um, at Improvigation Ganza, um, yeah, which is the Rapid Fire Theater's annual um, feast of improv and sketch comedy and um, other fun things. So um, I will leave you with that, and I will check back in with the listings at the end. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm here with a very special guest. Andrea Anderson is um, joining me this week on the podcast to talk about um, an all-improv sort of episode of, uh, of I Don't Get It. And Andrea, why don't you tell the audience um, of I Don't Get It a little bit about who you are um, and what you usually do. I am a science journalist, so I usually write about new research that's coming out and new health discoveries. Um, I'm also on the board of directors of LitFest, which is how I know Fonda. Full disclosure, Andrea <laughs> works with me. Yes. Um, so I spend a lot of time writing, artistic, but also about science, which is, you know, a little more... Uh, other side of the brain. That sounded dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that did not sound dumb at all. Don't even, don't even start with me. Okay. So, well, we saw we saw two things this week that were um, pretty pretty new and cool for you. Um, and I want to start with um, Improvaganza. So we saw one night. Um, Improvaganza runs for, of course, ten days, and uh, we saw the Friday installation at the club. This was at seven thirty. Um, the theater sports match that was first, uh, and then there was uh, the feature. Um, the feature showcase with a troupe called Amy and Tom. Let's talk first about the theater sports match. Um, Andrea, what is your experience um, with improv or theater sports? Um, I've taken in a, a little bit of improv at Rapid Fire Theater before, so I'm familiar with that format of sort of like the competitive improv, but also a little bit collaborative, and I felt like Tonight there was the quasi-competition, but also I thought the teams collaborated a lot more than maybe people might expect going in. Um, so they were um, in the typical theater sports match. I think in the timeline they can normally fit in about three or four sketches between the two of them. Uh, were there any sketches that standed out in particular to you, or or uh, sketch um, pairings? I guess even. Yes. So. I think the sketch that stood out the most was when we had a performer pretending to be a horse, very um, 
very believably pretending to be a horse with a large tongue sticking out and eating oats out of a person's hand. People were riding him. And I just, the, the body language and the believability were um, really stood out for me. <laughs> to be on, to to be clear, this was Jul Rapid Fire Theaters. Julian Fade playing the horse, um, very believable, very believably becoming a horse and eating an apple out of Jolene Ballandine's hand, um, and then um, even the uh, improv partners in the scene, um, Gordy Lucius, also um, doing more horsey type things to play off of his horsiness. That was it. Was the highest scoring? It was the highest scoring um, game of, or the highest scoring entry in the theater sports match. Um, what, what, what did you think of the theater sports format? Um, have you had you seen it before? I think I've seen more of the like individual sort of improv competition type things um, at Rapid Fire before. Not so much the team sports. But I thought the teams the teams worked really well, and also um, there's a lot of jumping in from opposite teams, which kind of added an extra element to it. Um, in particular, we had a, a dancing iced cappuccino with some great moves in the background while Dad's Garage was was doing their bit, um, set in a Tim Hortons, which was a very Canadian scene. <laughs> and the dancing cappuccino, I'll point out, was also played by Gordy Lucius. <laughs> kind of a scene stealer, I yeah. have to say, yeah. yeah. Kind of a scene stealer, also in also again in the last sketch where they were supposed to um, re reverse, like change each other's clothes, and Gordy was the one who ended up being in the crop knit sweater and, um, and, and, and leopard print short shorts. Yeah, yeah. And he really nailed that role as well. <laughs> and then also, the, surprisingly for Dad's Garage to win that, that theater sports match ended up being, um, well, kind of um, astonishing because kind of felt like Gordy and Jolene pulled the whole... Well, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I am biased. I felt like Rapid Fire, Rapid Fire Theater pulled a lot of weight in that theater sports match. It's true. I think we should give it up for the girl who handed over her cell phone and let... Uh, Dad's garage read her text messages randomly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, that's a very good point. Absolutely, that is like a key thing from those theater sports matches is that the audience suggestion is really super key, and the audience suggestion in that in that um, scene came from. The, the cell phone that someone handed up. Okay, so well, let's talk about the second half of the Improvaganza show that we saw, which was a showcase by Amy and Tom, and they decided to do a form um, that was based on, uh, it was called graft. It was based on the idea that you can graft, um, you know, certain tree types or fruit trees specifically um, to grow onto an, a, a trunk a certain one trunk. Um, I really appreciate this idea because my dad is an arborist and I, you know, love, love that. I love that, you know, trees actually do do this. And it's a very cool, it is a very cool thing. So how did this sketch, how did this idea of graft play out? Oh, well, I have to agree that I love the graft concept as a, a science uh, appreciator. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think that they really nailed the idea. I mean, they started out with one sketch and sort of seamlessly transitioned to, was it two or three other ones? Um, where it was totally different characters, and then they would circle back and pick up some of the original characters that had different accents, different names, different plots. And each of them was sort of charming in its own way and, and had different elements of humor. Um, it went from, you know, a couple that was in counseling to uh, forest, forest-dwelling woodsmen camping and or building a boat and looking for a whale to uh, a pair of radio DJ hosts sort of doing like the typical banter. I mean, yeah, it was great. I love that format. As a, as a movement person, what I really appreciated was that um, the very first gesture that Amy was making as sort of the uh, the the suggestion they took from the audience was reach, yes. and so the first image that you get is of um, Amy, the female improviser in the in the duo. She's reaching over. She's t- standing on a bench and she's sort of reaching over something, and it seems like you know you know she. She emphasizes that she's reaching for a check or something that um, that matters to the rest of the scene. And in the very end, you know, 25 minutes later, that's how long they take it through you. Um, they, she's at the at the very end. It's this same movement gesture: someone standing on a bench and reaching for something. And it's it's just a like I felt a very um, satisfying sort of button on the way that they gathered so many narratives and stories into like a kind of a similar um, and I, I'm like and I'm not sure how much the idea of reach played into all of them, but it was what spurred it. Uh, and and you can tell that the chemistry that the two have between each other, they know how to kind of blink on blink off and and uh wave through the progression of characters you know like they know when to exactly when to go back to that radio scene um it's it's just really appreciative and i feel satisfying to kind of like feel that you're carried along by storytellers where you don't need to know the whole story you just feel these like kind of like snapshots or glimpses into the characters that are part of this part of this tree that they've built for you definitely yeah and also appreciate that they were able to keep track of all these separate threads and also bring them together as you said into a a cohesive sort of story that had an ending that was you know they're riding a whale and have their arms in the air and in victory (laughs) or delight and it was it was uh so seeing seeing something that's improvised that you know that you you're not too much too sure what your your ticket your ticket price is going to get you or whatever i don't know um how do you feel how did you feel going into the show and how did you feel coming out of it were were your expectations met um to me the improv that i am most experienced with is more like the theater theater sports model where you know you might be getting suggestions from the audience kind of all along the way and having a bunch of small sketches um which kind of makes you appreciate how much harder it is to keep that momentum going over a full like 25 minutes or half an hour of just two people having this 
collection of sketches going at the same time. Um, so I felt like the graft was outside of what I'm familiar with in improv and a really interesting um, way of doing it and experience and storytelling method. Uh, theater sports was more like what I expect out of just like an evening at improv on you know, like the weekend sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of what we what we yeah. kind of expected. Like I mean rapid fire is high caliber improv that yeah. we get here at the Citadel every week. Sure. Um but yeah, the what's cool about Improvaganza or any of the long form festivals is that you get those sort of like long burn improvs. Um and and that's also what I guess happens also at Chimprov. Um during the uh, during the week too, but you it's it's something that you kind of need to know about, and I think that a lot of people think that most improv is more like theater sports, um, and and uh, it's it's rare to or or unexpected to get that um, long form uh, opportunity. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> And with that, um, I think we're going to go to our first ad. It Takes a Community is a special series brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation's Well-Endowed Podcast. Produced by Hunter and Jacqueline Cardinal of Nahayowin, the series features Hunter chatting with prominent Edmontonians about the communities and people that have helped shape their journeys. In the first episode, you'll hear from musician and entrepreneur Paul Bellows about what he learned while performing a trumpet solo, how mentors like Ben Schurz and Danielle Watson helped him grow, and the many things he's learned from his mom, dad, and brother. This is the first of six profiles in the special series, which will drop once a month through December 2019. To listen, head to com. All right, and so now we're back to talk about the liminal, uh, the season closing presentation by Brian Webb Dance. This was the final presentation of um, the company's fortieth season. Um, normally, of course, Brian Webb presents other dance and brings in dance um, from across Canada and across the world, um, and. Of course, you know, we, we know that he produces and presents um, dance that is um, of his own making with collaborators. And the liminal was this year's uh, part of that presentation. So, Andrea, um, first off, I want you to give us an idea of any sort of experience that you might have had with contemporary dance before. Um, yeah, if at all. Um, I think that this is probably the first full-length contemporary dance performance that I've seen. I've seen smaller pieces that, for example, we had some um, at Litfest events in the past where it's maybe like a 10 or 15 minute piece that goes with some of the other content. Um, but in terms of just a, a pure contemporary dance performance, this is probably my first one. Which is very cool. Um, so maybe can you describe to me um, what you saw walking into the performance? So walking in, you see it was at the um, Allard Hall at McEwen University, and you see an empty stage with five microphones set up, which kind of gives you a hint 
of the soundscape elements that are going to be involved in the performance. Um, very sparsely set. There's not really anything other than the, the microphones and, of course, lighting um, set up. And then we sort of get the dancers walking on. There was a lot of walking. And different lighting and sound elements accompanying that as it as it went along. But initially it was, um, I think I made a comment to you of, of the microphones and saying like, there's a lot of microphones at this dance performance. What's, what's gonna happen, Fonda? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, I think that the, the microphones were there so prominently and they were lit so prominently. They're very far downstage, right in front of the audience. Um, the rest of the stage was sort of gutted. There, You didn't see the back curtains or anything. Everything else was lifted up. You could see all of the exits and flies and everything like that. Um, what was interesting was the dancers sort of started coming in and, you know, kind of placing their stakes, I guess I would say, a little bit. Um, and I was I was curious to see how they would use the microphones, but it, it kind of took a little while for them to get there. It, it did. I think there was a lot of, I like to call it dramatic strolling. Uh, and, and as you said, so sort of dancers taking their place and setting the scene. And then I think there was the first person that used a microphone until um, one of the performers was talking about running through the woods. Is that the first one? Yeah. And she had a lot of great sort of breathing uh, noises that reminded you of running and sort of created a sense of tension almost of like, is there something chasing her? We don't really know what's happening. And I feel like that thread sort of continued in there. There was like an unknown tension in a way of, of uh, pursuit almost in some of the performers. Yeah, there was there was a kind of um, I mean, a sense of pursuit, but also I felt a sense of kind of not here or there like you didn't really know where you were standing you didn't really know whether um someone was going forward or backward they did play with a forward and backward um uh motion bit in front of the microphones like they would often come up to the mic and seem like they were going to say something and then didn't um and this is sort of the idea of liminal where it's a sort of like a kind of like a brush on the edge of being or not being of, of uh, positive or negative of, you know, um, I guess heaven or hell or anything. I don't, I, I'm just sort of like providing conjecture because in all honesty, this piece seemed like very obtuse and odd to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to claim that I got it, which is why I feel comfortable being on the podcast called I Don't Get It. Great. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. <laughs> I don't. I I think part of it is that there's a language of contemporary dance that I don't know, but um, I didn't totally get it. You you had mentioned something about um, the 
the the the walking that was happening dancing, dancing. <laughs> yeah well i was gonna ask you when they were gonna start dancing yeah. <laughs> and i i did also i think i asked you this right after the performance um i did wonder how much of it was sort of improvised because it felt like there were places where people were kind of supposed to be at different times but i wondered if i saw the performance again like today the next day whether it would be sort of the same movements or whether there's just sort of um, a feeling that each dancer is trying to convey with their movements that that could vary from one performance to the next and that maybe I was like in my um, absence of contemporary dance vocabulary was trying to interpret some of the motions that maybe were like a little bit more improvised. Yeah, and 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 I thought that that's a very there's a really very um, apt sentiment. That's a very good question because um, this sort of dance, this type of dance, knowing the way that it's been created, which has been over a year or more with these creators um, that Brian Webb has been working with, including Gary James Joins, who the sound designer, which maybe we'll talk about the sound design right after this. Um, you, there are definite moments where there are beats that are um, certainly choreographed out and certain between the performers, but there's also room to improvise and um, and kind of layout layout feeling and layout movement for each of the performers in between them, including the sound designer. The, the sound designer was an integral role in this in this show um, and played a very very heavy role in particular um, in a part in in parts even where dancers were not present at all we were just left with pure sound and darkness in the theater um, and and yeah I, I wanted to uh, I want to hear what you you thought about those moments as well so I actually I think that this the pure sound moments were some of my favorite parts of the performance um, because it was just like a really overwhelming, fascinating sound. And I think I told you this afterwards that it reminded me a little bit of like being in a David Lynch movie where you, it's mostly dark, but you're getting like little shafts of light and almost like weird patterns happening and this cacophonous sound that, kind of starts out pleasant and then pushes into a little bit of like almost grating uncomfortable sound, but it was still kind of, uh, it was still riveting in its way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely felt that as well. There was very intense moments of sound where you were just kind of drawn in the building was vibrating. It was so loud, almost inappropriately loud for a performance of that size with just like five movers on the stage, not even moving anymore. And and then and then also even um, the static at the microphones that just like it was it felt so uncomfortable and so grating, but you know, emphasized the stories that they were telling which were of um largely often kind of loss of control or like um like a like a spilling over of um of energy for 
for their lives. Um, and they were very personal in a lot of ways too, um, which was, which was, which was very moving in, in, in many ways. I'm glad that you brought up the static because I almost at one point turned and said like something wrong with the microphone, but then it became clear that it was very much a part of the way that it was being designed. Um, and I think it did play in pretty well in sort of creating that sense of discomfort, but also, yeah, people being very um, open and sort of laying themselves bare about a variety of things. And then I think we had somebody speaking, was that Russian? Uh, yeah, Ben Gorodetsky, one of the performers at one point where he was speaking Russian, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it almost felt like a dream, like a little bit of... Um, not something where you you'll be describing it later and you can't quite put all the pieces together in one cohesive story because there's a bunch of elements that are disparate and you experience them in that moment as being part of one story but then later to try to describe it in one story is a little bit more difficult if that makes sense so after all the things that I guess that we've talked about um, how do you feel I guess about um, this is a dance performance did this did this kind of like I mean what do you think about dance performance after this and I guess do you think this was a dance performance it definitely would broaden my idea of what I would consider a dance performance I guess if you want to call it a dance performance. There was dancing and um, I think as a piece of art in a way it was like something that made you think and try to critique and maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable in a way that I feel is a good mental practice to do. Um, in terms of a larger story, I'm not sure I got like one cohesive message from it, but I felt like it sort of stretched what you can do with dance. In terms of the pure movement of the piece um, and what you noticed about the movement and the images that were created in the movement, what did you take from that? Um, I felt like each performer had sort of a set of movements that was their their sort of uh, repertoire, if you will, of, of movements. We had someone doing a couple backward somersaults, which I feel like I was kind of drawn to in a weird way. Um, I liked, there was a lot of random running, which I have to admit, I, I find people starting to run like for no reason kind of funny and I was trying to <laughs> I, I don't think that was the intended uh, goal of the running but I, I liked it why why is people running I, I don't know. funny it was if people don't have to run like a pantomime running like yeah uh, <laughs> I, I think I think I get I I do think I get it because it's just like it, it if there's no if there's no lion or 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 flag to run to why are you running? But maybe there was. Then I wondered. I mean, I think I told you I 
I had a very strong like alien abduction vibe happening at a few points um, <laughs> just with the way the lighting happened and it, there were a lot of people like looking up at the light uh, the lighting design was also beautiful yes I, I liked it a lot probably they weren't being abducted by aliens but if lighting were, designed by Dory Duschendorf yeah <laughs> if they were then run away <laughs> run run away <laughs> <laughs> I also felt like there was um, some sort of yoga vibey dance elements in my uh, non-dance lingo. Um, oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, there was, there was, yeah, there were a lot of sort of, like, warrior, you know, like, uh, I mean. And the yoga wear. Yeah. Can touch on the yoga wear? Yeah. Well, what, do you want to talk at all about the, um, the costume design? We did talk about costume design a little bit. I do want to. Um, there was a lot of yoga gear and some sort of flowy pants. And then we had like a pair of Adidas blue pants. Uh, and I think I call it like a work from home business casual look for the, for the costume design. I, I will honestly say that the entire costume design, I get it. I get the like flowy browns and blues and it looked lovely but for Brian Webb to be wearing like a straight up Adidas pants uh, I don't know what that was trying to say I'm like are you I that really that that kind of irked me in a in a bad way a little bit I felt I felt neutral about the, the pants but I did notice them it was it was distinctive because I think everyone else was wearing fairly earth tone, uh, nondescript sort of clothing, Ca very casual. I feel largely neutral, but I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was definitely odd, but I, that's not a bad thing. I don't think. I don't think odd is a disqualifier by any means. I think. Um, exploring different combinations of movement and sound and light is pretty interesting. Uh, I'm just not sure if you, you know, if people know what they're going into, that's great. But if you're kind of expecting like a traditional type of dance show, maybe not quite what you're expecting. I think that you, I think that you came to it with a um, fresher different perspective than I did um, and I think that you were a little I think that you were um, frankly a little bit more forgiving than I was um, f uh, in terms of the excess accessibility of the message um, and um, and I'm really grateful that you were that you were actually here for that well I mean I feel like People have put a lot of work into something, and I want to be open to experiencing that message. There are definitely aspects. Um, can we talk about the, the sort of closing set that happened throughout the course? Which I have to say, I sort of out of the in the back of my mind noticed that the set was getting smaller, but didn't really think about it. It was kind of one of those things like, um, I guess I felt like. I was in more of a natural environment and it was just like, here's the thing that's happening. I don't really need to think about it very much. 
but then stepping back, you realize like these are decisions that people are making, and I don't, I don't know exactly why that that was happening. Yeah, and 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 but and did you feel that you needed to? Did you feel that you needed to understand more to enjoy more about the performance? Like, were there questions that you wanted to ask? while you were watching or did the performance how did the performance leave you feeling at the end uh, loaded question totally sorry confused and <laughs> like I should go to more dance shows um, I think it's hard with performances like that or shows like that to know which things are supposed to be significant and what they're supposed to be telling you. So it was it was hard for me to draw one clear message from it. For example, we had performers who were sort of going out the side door in the middle before the, the big, I think it was right before the big sound sort of crescendo. And to me, it was kind of like, I don't know if these people just like gave up <laughs> and they left. And then they sort of reappeared to try to interpret if, sort of the message of that. I could come up with the hypothesis, but I don't think it would be probably what the, um, what the people intended. Yeah, what, one of the things I found very um, frustrating and difficult about, or obtuse about the performance was that the performers were not making any connections with each other. Yes. Um, and, and so they all seemed like sort of independent characters and when one of them would leave you were wondering okay what is happening what 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 does that mean no matter how obtuse some performances try to be an audience will always try to find a narrative like that is just how our western brains work we try and find story we try and find character so that was one of that that was one um aspect of the performance that i kind of very i very much wanted it to be resolved when someone would leave would they come back um there was and and they did they did do that in certain senses, but it it didn't it didn't feel connected to much of the overall meaning of the piece. It fit really well with my alien abduction theory. Yeah, <laughs> which was yes. it was like um, David Lynch and Salvador Dali had made an, an alien abduction play with zombies that I don't feel was the actual message of the piece. Yeah. I didn't get zombies, but I do feel David Lynch for sure with the weird, with the crazy ass sound. Kudos, Gary James Joins, great sound. Um, Salvador Dali, I'm like, where, where do, you, where is the Salvador Dali? What do you think was the Dali? Like, it kind of felt like a dream because mm. you get um, little bits of story. Different performers would come to the microphone and tell their bits of story that sort of weren't directly connected. They created a similar feeling of almost like tension unease. Mm -hmm. But they were very visual and very and very familial too often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, to me it kinda had like a dreamlike quality to mm -hmm. it that was mm -hmm.
Okay, yeah, I see, I see it. I, uh, we had sort of the the flop lay uh, on the ground, almost like the, the melting clocks. You know. Well, the body's melting. The body's melting. Yeah, and there were and there were a, there was a lot of like like throw falling yes. and like yes. Um, what I found interesting was um, uh, the three male performers telling stories of. Well, actually, mo mostly Brian and Brennan Campbell um, telling stories of. Uh, like actual physical um, physical maladies that had happened to them, and then kind of uh, like like how they how they experienced those um, with Brian. Um, I, I recall um, him telling this story in similar way of his heart attack, uh, and then um, in in some in other performances, and then uh, Brennan Campbell told a story about a quad accident. And then Ben Gordetsky also was telling an interesting story about a, someone he knew building of building things from other things. Yeah. That that was like beautiful and profound. And I love that story. I love the story of of taking other people's trash and making it into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the message. And it was yeah, and it was and it was it was beautiful in so many ways, and I felt that the female performers and their story didn't feel quite as personal, even if if the running the woman running through the woods was supposed to be one of them, and the idea of the weather was supposed to be one of them. Weather was definitely. Yeah, it it didn't. It also didn't seem the one that was weighed on in in a way, um, in terms of like personality and um, uh, does does that does that make sense? Am I am I am I wrong about that? Like I felt like it. I felt like they got a little shortchanged. It's hard to say because I don't know how personal the female performers stories were or if they were um scripted it, it was kind of hard to sense i did feel like the the female performers got more of an opportunity to um do some of the voice performances though which everybody did to some extent but um one woman in particular got to do a lot of the sort of echoing sounds and and the the running noises yeah, yeah Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Snelling in the blue shirt she was yeah. she was fantastic yeah but but it's true I don't think though that the stories were quite as personal or sort of um, even quite as traumatic for for the people performing them as it seemed like the the men were kind of getting to yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not sure if I felt that disparity on my own or if it was just sort of, sort of like a, a thing. But anyway, is there anything that you want to add about what you, what you felt? Well, we did get that a very nice sort of solo dance performance at the end, um, which was a little bit more of what I was expecting, to be honest, going in was that type of dance. Um, 
I think at that point, everyone else had left the stage, right? We had one one person dancing and sort of brought it all to a to a big close and finish. Yeah, that was Nancy Sandercock dancing at the end with the big flowy pants and the yeah yeah that was yeah that was a little bit more of what I would anticipate at that type of show as a as someone who's not familiar with that what what did you think about um what did you think about her movement in that piece it also felt fairly improvised uh a little bit sort of jerky flaily dancing <laughs> really working the flowy pants <laughs> getting a lot of twirling in um Again, I'm not quite sure how it fit into the whole message. As, but as, the, ending. as the ending. I, I thought it was a good ending. I was a little bit... I, I think the beginning was heavy on the dramatic walking, strolling, and that people that came to a dance show, it was, it was a good ending to have one person dancing the, the ending. And those flowy pants, they sure help. <laughs> no, Nancy Sandercock is a great mover and she and and she did bring it home and it was an interesting end to um I think a really complex piece, one that I I fairly admit I uh I don't think I got it. <laughs> so I think, um, thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure, Fonda. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I think we'll leave it at that and we'll go to our final ad. Alberta Podcast Network wants to hear from you. We'd like to invite you to share your experience on APN's annual listener survey. The deadline is 11.59 p.m. on June 17th. The survey takes less than five minutes, and once finished, you can choose to be entered in a draw for one of three cash prizes of $100. To fill out the survey, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey, and thanks for helping the network. All right. Special thanks again to Andrea for joining us um, on these two special shows and two uh, new experiences for her. Um, all right. Our listings here. There's lots to see. Until June 22nd, A Likely Story by Stuart Lemoyne is still running at the Varscona Theatre. That's, of course, the opener, the season opener for Teatro La Quindicina. Also running until June 22nd, the ap aforementioned Improvaganza is running um, many shows throughout uh, at the Citadel Theatre. So, um, head to Rapid Fire Theater's website, of course, to check out um, the selection there. Fieldwork by Jerry Morita as part of the Mile Zero Dance main stage season, which is not actually really happening on any stage. It's happening in a field somewhere in Leduc. Um, is happening. It's on June 21st and 22nd. You can catch the bus, though, to get out to that event from Spazio Performativo on the um, event days. And uh, starting up on June 18th, running through July 14th, the gem of Horlack Park in Edmonton uh, in our summertime is the Free Will Shakespeare Festival. Alternating dates they're running this year, uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona and A Winter's Tale. Um, so yeah, enjoy the sunshine and the summer and uh, get out there and see some shows. And also happy Father's Day. Bye. <laughs> 
Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here, thank you. Bye.